0: Today is Thursday, May 25th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Ron DeSantis throws his hat into the ring. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave a rating. Share it with a friend. You know what to do. You can email us as well, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We love hearing from you. We love that you're here with us each and every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Getting through the news of the cray as we call it here Trey and Billy still on assignment at NRB and filling in admirably the one and only Madison Seals Madison how's it going on this Friday Junior what's up
1: It is going well I just realized that we have a 3 day weekend coming up with Memorial Day so Yes always always nice to find out you get an extra day
0: I know it's like uh, it's like Christmas early you get a yes. you get a Monday off and you didn't you weren't expecting it Perfect doesn't get much better than this. Not quite there yet. We got some work to do here, and we're going to be doing that on the podcast. And what do you have coming up on the Focus story?
1: Well, today we're talking about a transgender state representative, which could be a whole story on its own, in Minnesota, who recently pushed for protecting people who are attracted to children, otherwise known as pedophile, from discrimination. So that's ended up failing in the courts, but it's still very concerning that that's where we're headed.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is indicative of kind of the logical end game that you can kind of expect to see given the tenets of what they're pushing. We'll explain all that uh, coming up here in a few minutes. And also on the main thing, is the Biden family part of a massive money laundering and influence peddling scheme? That's what the GOP is claiming. CBN's Gary Lane looks into that on today's main thing. Uh, but first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. It was long suspected, but now Ron DeSantis... Florida governor has thrown his hat into the 2024 ring, and he did so uh, via Twitter. It's an interesting strategy, one that uh, at least one expert pointed out is similar to that of Glenn Youngkins, who said he realized just after one press conference that the media would only fixate on Trump and the things they want to fixate on and just not allow any other narrative to emerge. So, Trump, ahead of DeSantis's announcement for his part, wrote a fiery post criticizing the Florida governor. DeSantis is expected to frame himself as the true anti-establishment candidate in the race. You can stay tuned to CBNNews.com for the developments on that as negotiations over raising the debt limit continue on Capitol Hill with just days to go before the country quote-unquote runs out of money. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy sounded confident that they could strike a deal, although privately reports say that uh, he and his Republican members that they're admitting that they're not really close to a deal just yet. And North Carolina Democratic Governor Roy Cooper launched a campaign Monday to try to block a proposed school choice bill. In his video, he declared it a state of emergency and also said that when students leave public schools for private schools, public schools lose hundreds of millions of dollars. Cooper sent his own kids to private school. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. And Madison, obviously a lot going on there. DeSantis throwing his hat into the ring. I do think it's an interesting strategy. They're kind of realizing now, hey, if we want to control our narrative, we can't do it the old standard way where we have an event and all the press is there. They're just going to sit there and ask about Trump nonstop. They're going to kind of focus on the whatever infighting they see might be happening. Whereas... Um, When it's someone from the other party, usually they're all like, how are you going to fix this important issue of the day? You know, and and they kind of give them the benefit of the doubt there. So maybe these Republican candidates are starting to realize that and try to try to take a a hold of the narrative in different ways.
1: Right. Yeah. Especially for somebody like DeSantis, who's made it very clear that he wants to stand apart from Trump. He's running on his own platform and he wants to do this without constantly being compared to Trump. And that's understandable. But I think the other interesting angle is just that it's so much more direct to people. He doesn't have to go through a third party. He's just delivering his his message directly to people. And we're able to see it from his mouth. We know it's not manipulated. And it's. I think it's, um, like you said, could be the new direction that we're going to see these campaign announcements going in.
0: And the other kind of, I don't know, comical thing I see is that and I've seen this over time and covering these elections is that those on the left, what they end up doing is trying to fear monger you about whoever they perceive the biggest threat, the biggest front runner to the White House is same thing happened with Mitt Romney. I mean, Mitt Romney is about as straight lace of a guy as you could possibly get when it comes to his personal life and his in his conduct in his life, uh, regardless of what you think about his policies. But remember, the narrative ended up being, well, Mitt Romney has binders of women. And they came up with all these attacks to try to make... Like, he dragged his dog all this way. All these all these things they tried to come up with to make you scared about Mitt Romney. And so now that DeSantis is emerging and throwing his hat into the ring, now he's going to be worse than Trump. You're going to see a Vanity Fair had a headline that said something along the... I don't have it in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, uh, well, DeSantis is announcing via Twitter... And um, why not? I guess because David Duke wasn't available, and you know you just see these headlines. You have the NAACP saying that Florida's hostile to African Americans. This kind—it's of, just ridiculous at this point. The fear mongering that goes on in politics, but uh, but I, I, I'm not surprised. I can't say that I'm surprised.
1: Right. It's and it's unfortunate to see some of that coming from his own party. You know, with yeah. Trump calling him the famed Ron DeSanctimonious. And, you know, honestly, if that's the worst that he can do, then that's DeSantis is doing pretty good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was interesting because Trump did not criticize Tim Scott. I don't know. I can't remember if we talked about this, Madison. But when Tim Scott announced the other day, Trump posted something very flattering, saying, hey, best wishes to Tim Scott. He's great. We worked on uh, such and such bill together. And he praised him. And then DeSantis, it's quite a different tone. But uh, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be interesting to watch all this play out. We still don't know who else is going to throw their hat into the ring, and there's still plenty of time for that. Uh, but buckle up, America. We have we have a long way to go until 2024 is settled and done. So, and even on the day of 2024, the 2024 election, we all we all know how these elections go. Now it's not gonna we're not gonna know then for weeks at a time probably. So so buckle up, get ready. We're in for a long, long season of politics. But we're going to move over to the focus story here now. And a recent bill in Minnesota, it's very disturbing, pushing to normalize pedophilia. Madison, what's the deal with this bill?
1: So this actually happened back in April when Minnesota's first transgender lawmaker, Lee Fink, introduced a bill that would have removed language and Minnesota's Human Rights Act that explicitly says pedophilia is not a sexual orientation, basically making pedophiles a protected class under sexual orientation. So what this would do is basically make it illegal to discriminate against child rapists. Hmm. The bill didn't explicitly say the word pedophiles, but it used the phrase sexual attraction to children, which we know to be the same thing. So ultimately, this bill failed, and the Democrat controlled state house amended the so called Take Pride Act to clarify that pedophilia is not a protected class under this chapter. It, this just is another concerted effort to normalize the sexualization of children and to legalize pedophilia. It's just one more step towards that end goal. But thankfully, at least this bill did not pass.
0: Yeah. And I mean, just it's concerning just that somebody thought this was, hey, maybe now is the time to try this. I mean, that should tell mm-hmm. you about the state of things in the country right now. But but what else do we know about this state representative who introduced us?
1: Right. So we're talking about Lee Fink, who is a 41-year-old male who identifies as a female and an elective representative to Minnesota House District 66A. He was elected after campaigning on a platform that largely consisted of guaranteeing medical intervention for gender nonconforming minors. Um, including drugs, which halt puberty. And he referred to this demographic as trans youth. So that was kind of his his running platform. And apparently there was enough support in the state of Minnesota to to get him in office.
0: Hmm. What are um, some other things, other ways that Fink has pushed for this trans legislation in Minnesota?
1: The state's kind of quickly becoming known for being a refugee state in a way for minors who want to seek medical procedures for transitioning. Fink held several rallies for trans kids in the months leading up to the voting date and the first bill that he authored as an elected official, the trans refuge bill, allows minors from outside the state to receive puberty blockers and hormones within the state of Minnesota. The bill was passed on April 24th and it allows the state courts to have Temporary Emergency Jurisdiction Over Children Who Enter Minnesota to Obtain to obtain Gender-Affirming Health Care. Fink was also involved in the production of a couple of books that were supposed to serve as a resource for teens and parents on the topic of gender identity. One was published in 2020 and called Queerfully and Wonderfully Made, A Guide for LGBTQ Christian Teens, uh, which is, of course, kind of a, a twist on Fearfully and wonderfully made from Scripture. I'm just gonna. Um, it's.
0: I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna say it because you're too kind and generous to say it. It's a perversion. It's a perversion it of is. Scripture. But I digress. Go ahead and continue.
1: No, you're right. It's it's blasphemous. Clearly and essentially, it tells readers that parents who do not accept a child as queer are not considering the child's best interest. And Fink actually went as far as to share a Facebook post just after the book's publication, including a picture of that excerpt, and he emphasized that quote by saying, quote, this chapter from my book is the most important thing I've ever written. Trans and non-binary and queer and gay and lesbian and bi young people don't listen to your parents. Unquote. Wow. Anyone who tells you not to listen to your parents is giving major stranger danger vibes. I mean, that's, yes. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that.
0: I, I mean, amen to the stranger danger vibes. hundred percent. What I'm feeling is <laughs> I'm hearing these quotes. It's shocking. So disturbing. What are what are some of the ways that this kind of legislation can go wrong?
1: Well, it's just, it's a slippery slope, really. People said that something like drag shows were harmless and a fun way to expose kids to new ideas. But those quickly devolved into drag queen strip shows and inappropriate dancing, as we're seeing now. And at some point, we just have to ask ourselves, how does this contribute to society? Or how does this teach kids to be helpful, contributing members of society? Because I'm not seeing how drag shows or explicit sex ed has any benefit at all. And it actually just begins normalizing obscene things, which eventually desensitizes us to more harmful things like pedophilia.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, there's nothing more disturbing right now. Than these drag shows where kids are there, especially. I mean, they're disturbing anyway. But with kids there, it's especially disturbing. And I'm sitting here thinking, when I I see these clips go viral online, and I'm watching these drag shows. To your point, and the clips of them, and it's disturbing. And you're just thinking, why are people gathering there? What, like, what are you doing? It's not like you're watching someone sing, right? Like, or someone with a discernible talent that you can say, oh, right. well, this person's talented. They're they've got a you know an art display or something going on like this is just a dude scantily dressed as a woman and provocatively doing sexual things like how is that like you said of any value it's it's not it's disgusting and it's a perversion and the fact that people are allowing this to happen that so many of them are allowing it to happen is incredibly disturbing but because they are allowing it i think it's precisely why we're seeing things like this person being able to push a bill like this in Minnesota, because they feel like, hey, the the climate's right right now for me to go ahead and put this out there. And we saw it with another professor trying to normalize pedophilia using the term MAPS, minor attracted persons, and doing this whole video explaining it. I think the conundrum we're walking into here, Madison, or at least the people on the affirming side of the aisle here, is the logical conclusion of this worldview. To say love is love, or I'm born this way, and you know, you can't change me, or this is just who I am, and there's nothing that can change that. What do you do with pedophilia? Because if you apply pedophilia and you put it into this worldview, you have to accept it if you're being consistent. You know, if you're being consistent with this ethos, if that's kind of your bottom line or your standard. You have to then accept things like pedophilia because who are you to say that they were born wrong, that this is wrong? You can't do it. And so it's, I think we're starting to see people and love to hear your thoughts on this as well. But I think we are starting to see people realize this is the logical conclusion of this worldview and they're trying to figure out a way to make it work.
1: Right. And I think you kind of hinted at this, but this, this bill to go as far as to kind of try to normalize pedophilia kind of just seems like it came out of the blue. We're definitely inching towards that, but I don't think we are quite there yet. And the fact that this was proposed and people pushed back against it, yeah. that showed that we are we are slowly devolving, but people are still aware that that is the direction we're going and it's scary and they yeah. don't want to go that far. And parents are the best defense against this. They are the front line. You are the ones that you know, can keep your kids from going to these shows. Like you said, people are actually showing up at drag queen shows and showing up at events, introducing their children to these kind of things, you know, reading them books about these type of things. So don't do that. You know, if if you're afraid of where this is going, then you have to stop it at some point and parents I mean they're they're the ones who can do this don't let anyone tell you that your kids are not yours or that you can't speak truth to them because they are your children above anybody else's
0: yeah absolutely and and that is why for what you just said is why you have people like this guy saying don't listen to your parents <laughs> mm-hmm. because they don't they want to not have that roadblock in their way so uh, man, disturbing story, but again, I hate to have to cover this stuff, but we we have to because these are the sorts of things they're trying to foist on our culture and our society and we've got to know about it and we we've got as Christians got to fight back against these things. So, appreciate you bringing it to our attention, Madison. We're going to we're going to move over to the main thing now. Capitol Hill Republicans, they're pledging to dig deeper into what they say is an alleged criminal enterprise, a global pay-to-play scheme that sold access to Joe Biden for profit. CBN's Gary Lane has the details on today's main thing.
2: Republican members of the House Oversight Committee recently laid out what they believe is a global web of Biden family influence peddling. The 36-page memorandum alleges that foreign businessmen sent millions in wire transfers to numerous limited liability companies that then transferred the cash to bank accounts of at least nine Biden family members. Much of the money came from China, including transactions involving the Chinese energy company. A Biden associate, Rob Walker, used his company to funnel money from the Chinese to various Biden family members. Democrats dismissed the evidence even though it was based on bank records directly from the bank. Hunter Biden's representatives claimed the money was, quote, good-faith seed funds, but could not explain why those funds had to go through an intermediary in what appears to be an attempt to hide the transfers from the Chinese. The Republicans contend that subpoenaed bank records show the chairman of the now-defunct CEFC company, Ye Zhang gave Hunter Biden a three-carat diamond ring worth $80,000. In February 2017, nine days after he met Ye in Miami, $3 million was wired to a company owned by Hunter Biden business associate Robert Walker, followed by another $3 million the next month. The U.S. Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Unit listed the transfers as suspicious activity. At least half a million dollars made its way from Walker's LLC to Hunter Biden's Owasco
3: company that year. The only logical conclusion of a financial professional is you are concealing money. Let me restate this. You are concealing money from either the IRS, or from credit agencies, or from other people in general. That's the only reason you set up a structure like this.
2: Former assistant federal prosecutor for Northern California John O'Connor sees a troubling pattern.
3: Everything points to criminal behavior. And I think there's plenty there, in my view, to show number one, money laundering and what they call structuring, having different devices intended to fool the authorities as to what was happening in a corrupt transaction.
2: While the House Government Oversight Committee has not yet declared the money transfers illegal, members are planning additional subpoenas in hopes of uncovering the truth.
1: Every time we turn over a rock, there's more information, there's more possible corruption, there's more possible allegations that need to be investigated.
2: House Republicans charge the FBI is not cooperating with the investigation. That's because the FBI refused a subpoena demanding it hand over a key document tying Joe Biden to an alleged bribery scheme with a foreign national. The bureau claims that turning over the document would harm confidential sources and information. Now oversight committee members also have allegations from an IRS whistleblower who reports the entire team investigating Hunter Biden for tax evasion has been disbanded.
3: This is a massacre, but it's done by stealth and by poisoning. And nobody was supposed to know about this. And And it really is very bothersome. That's another thing that I think is well within the congressional purview to investigate because that itself is a form of obstruction of justice.
2: Comer also contends that bank records show Biden family members received a transfer of $1 million from Romanian businessman Gabriel Papaviciu when Joe Biden served as vice president. While Vice President Biden was lecturing Romania on anti-corruption policies, in reality, he was a walking billboard for his son and family to collect money. In fact, the money stops flowing from the Romanian national soon after Joe Biden leaves the vice presidency. So what is the likely outcome of the oversight committee investigation? O'Connor believes charges may be brought against Hunter Biden for not registering as a foreign agent, and that might begin to spell trouble for his presidential father.
3: If Joe Biden knew, knew this and uh, participated in the scheme for him to his son to act as an unregistered foreign agent, corruptly or otherwise, just as an unregistered foreign agent, that pits him uh, as a uh, potentially Uh, in the line of fire here.
2: Furthermore, O'Connor believes a special counsel should be appointed immediately.
3: There's clear evidence of a conflict because after all, Joe Biden's the, the boss of Merrick Garland. So you have to appoint one.
2: The public is likely to support the appointment of a special counsel. A Harvard University political studies poll released last April found that 67% of American adults felt if found to be true, Hunter Biden selling access to his father is an impeachable offense for President Biden.
1: The American people do not trust the federal government. They don't trust Congress. They don't even trust current presidents because of the kind of possible and alleged corruption that we see at every level of government and no one is ever held to account.
2: So far, however, Republicans are alone in their accountability efforts. Democrats and various news outlets are either debunking or ignoring the committee's findings.
3: If a scandal falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, is there a scandal? Uh, And that's what's happening here.
0: Gary Lane, CBN News. All right, Gary, appreciate that report. That's going to leave us with time here for one last thing. Wanted to take a look at one that's probably familiar to you, Lamentations 3:22 through 24 it says the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the lord is my portion says my soul therefore i will hope in him and i just think madison it's appropriate today as we're going through some disturbing stories like we did earlier and it's just remember a good reminder of where we can keep our hope and that it's uh, we're validated in that hope that god his mercies are new and that we can hope in Him and trust in Him.
1: Right, yeah, especially that line about His mercies being new every morning, no matter what happens during the day, how awful the news is that day. Every single morning, He gives us the mercy that we need to be able to get through and to keep pushing. God doesn't get discouraged, so neither should we.
0: Absolutely. Great place to leave it here on the podcast for today. Don't forget, get yourself on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. Get your news from a Christian perspective. And um email us, like I said before, quickstartpodcast podcast at cbn dot org. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. We'll see you then.